Good to see everybody. Uh, we're going to have communion at the end of the service, so if you did not grab one of these, if you place your faith in Christ, and um, I'm make sure you grab one of those. You can get up now if you want. I won't be offended if you do that. You guys ready for this morning? I mean, good, good music? Yeah, okay. All right, man, I'm just feeling a little like... It's like the, I come in at 9 o'clock and people are like, yeah, all right, and you guys are like... Ah. It's like you've had two minutes, you know, donuts or something, and all of a sudden the sugar's dropping off and... How about uh, Bob Myers this morning, huh? Doing the announcements. So, uh, hey, just saying, this guy, he comes up to me and goes, hey, you know, I've um, been praying about, you know, how we can help out on Sunday mornings. Would you mind if I do, like, the announcements and welcome and stuff? I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, we'll try you out. We'll see what goes on, you know. Um, so that was awesome. I appreciate him doing that. And uh, he's, he's outside doing this. <laughs> You know, we're, we've got some water on him. There's a cold compress on his back and on his neck. He'll be, he'll be okay. Uh, let me go ahead and pray real quick before we begin. Lord, I want to thank you for today. I thank you so much for um, this, this message that we're looking at this morning. Um, this idea that, uh, and the truth of the fact that you provide for us <clears throat> salvation. That you've made it possible for us to have our sins forgiven and a relationship with you established through the work of Christ and the power of your Holy Spirit. And we can, we can know that you're in our life now and that you'll take us to heaven one day. And uh, Lord, so I, I just pray that this morning as we look into your word and we talk about these things and break these verses down, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do his work of... Um, helping those who are unsure about who um, or, or what their relationship is with you, and that you would confirm that today. Um, for those of us who have made that decision already, and we know that we're saved because of what you've done in our lives, that we would then live based off of that. And um, we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in all that. In Christ's name, amen. So that's what we want to do this morning. Um, you know, if you're here this morning and, you know, you may have a, an idea about God or who God is or what God's done and Jesus and all that kind of religious stuff. Um, you know, the Bible tells us we can know that we have a relationship with God and that when we die, we're going to go to heaven. The Bible tells us we can know that. And so we're in this series called the five solas. And sola is just Latin for alone. And so what the idea is here is uh, way back in the 1500s, um, you know, the Catholic Church had certain teachings. And, um, and so what uh, some of the guys, Martin Luther and some other guys, kind of wanted to reform the Catholic Church, but they instead kind of broke away from the Catholic Church. And what they were saying is that everything we need to know is found in the Bible. It's um, sola scriptura, it's scripture alone. Uh, because they had other writings and we see this today too, by the way. It's not just the Catholic Church, but there's other Christian um, religions, churches that have things added to what bi the Bible taught. And so they're saying, hey, we need to get back to what the Bible teaches. And so that's what we're doing. We're getting back to what, what are the five pillars, you can say, five foundational things of our faith. All right? So we've summarized it this way. It's according to Scripture alone, which we talked about last week, we are saved by grace alone, we're going to talk about today, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. And so we have this um, 
this understanding of salvation. So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the salvation, salvation from our sin, salvation from hell. Um, and there's three aspects to it, or three different ways you can look at it. You can kind of maybe look at it, say, from God's perspective, our perspective, and then what Christ has done, however you want to put it. But it's how, a, how God makes a person right with himself. Because we are at odds with God, and so God has to do something in our lives to make us right with him. And in doing that, then he saves us from hell, which is the judgment that we have for the sin that we've committed. So the question is always, do we have a part in that? Is there something that we need to do? Is there a work, a religious ritual or tradition? Is there something that I need to be a part of? Okay, I get it that Jesus did this work on the cross. He died on the cross. But do I need to add to that? Do I need to do something more? Because um, sadly, there are denominations, Christian denominations, that will say, yes, faith in Christ plus. And they'll say, faith in Christ plus, uh, you know, baptism, water baptism. Or faith in Christ plus, you got to take communion. Uh, Faith in Christ plus confession. Or faith in Christ plus, you know, speaking in tongues or church membership, or, you know, there's a bunch of different religious rituals or traditions. Some are good, some are bad, but none of them, as we understand from Scripture, are part of our salvation. And then there's those who are not religious. They say, well, I'm not really religious. But they'll think, well, if I'm, if I'm a good person, and then they determine what that good is, if I'm a good person, then I'm good with God. As long as I'm a good person, God's good with me. The problem is what the person who does that, they'll usually pick somebody else out in the world <laughs> that's really bad, and they'll be like, oh yeah, Hitler? Yeah, I'm not as bad as Hitler. You know, <laughs> I'm good to go. You know, it's that kind of, they measure themselves against somebody else. The problem is we need to measure ourselves against Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is perfect. He's God. And so for the next three weeks, we want to clarify what this salvation is. This is important stuff for us to grab hold of and understand. Some of us have made that decision ourselves already. Um, Some of us in the room have not done that, which is awesome. You know, I'm glad glad our church isn't filled with people who are already made that decision because that could become a very boring church, by the way. Um, It's always good to have people who are searching out who God is and wrestling with who he is and what he's done for them. And that's what makes the church exciting and fun and one that I want to be a part of. And so we're going to look into the Bible. We talked about last week, Sola Scriptura, that the Bible is our sole source of revelation, divinely inspired, God preached and spoken through man, and that it's our sole authority for faith, what we believe. So we don't believe, uh, we don't make man's teachings on the level of God's teaching, as some do and for practice, how we're to live out our lives. Because what God calls us who have placed our faith in Christ to do is to live a life differently than what we did prior to coming to Christ. And so that's all part of that learning process as we go along. And so today we're going to look at grace alone. This idea that salvation is a gift, and that's what grace means. It's a gift of God that's given to man. It's not something that we purchase. It's not something that we work for. It's a gift. Just like any gift, if I were to give you my glasses as a gift, yes, my very special glasses turns me into a superhero. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and you wanted to pay me for it, that wouldn't be a gift anymore. You'd be purchasing something. Well, 
This is, a, this is grace alone. Faith alone is next week. Salvation is based on our, our faith in God's gift, and we'll learn something interesting about that as we go forward. And then the following week is Christ alone. The gift is Jesus Christ. The gift is what Christ has done, his work on the cross and rising from the dead. So there's a key verse or a set of verses that we're going to look at. I'm just going to read every week. I might decide at the last week to kind of pull this one apart. I'm not sure, but um, suspense, isn't that suspenseful? Um, but I'm going to read them each week. Because if you, if you ever want to kind of get to encapsulate the gospel, the good news about salvation, it's found in these verses. And so I want you guys to get that, write this down, get it on the notes. This encapsulates everything. It's Ephesians chapter 2, uh, really 1 through 10, but we're going to read 4 through 9. And it says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, and Paul just describes what spiritual deadness looks like in the first three verses, even though we were dead in our transgressions, we, were, we had no spiritual life in us. He's talking to Christians now, but prior to coming to Christ, and those who have not come to Christ yet, they are spiritually dead. And so if we had a dead person laying in here, not that we do, no, we don't have anybody, okay. If, if they were, we, there'd be no relationship. They couldn't respond to us because they were dead. God sees us as spiritually dead. No matter how we might feel, God sees us as spiritually dead. So God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Grace, gift. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show surpass, the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, this gift, you've been saved through faith, and that, referencing faith, is not of yourself. So even the faith that we have is not our own faith. It's something God gives us. That's how spiritually dead we are. So he actually gives us the faith. Um, and it, faith, is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. So God doesn't want us saying, yep, yeah, look at me, I saved myself. He wants the glory to go to him, which again, we're going to be talking about in a few weeks. So we want to break down grace, faith, and Jesus over the next three weeks. Today we want to look at this idea of grace and how it is that we have uh, salvation is by grace. So Titus 3 is where we're going to be today, and I'm literally going to break this verse apart. Hiya! Uh, karate chop! And, uh, and uh, I got I, I to go. So Titus says this, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived. So he's talking to Christians saying, Hey, remember you guys back before we came to Christ? This is who we were. We were also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Sounds like a, a wonderful life. You remember that life? But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he's talking about Jesus Christ, he, God, saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, or these good deeds, and we'll talk about that, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. We'll tell you what those words mean. Whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of of eternal life. 
This is a trustworthy statement. You can, you can trust this. You can bank on this. And considering these things, I want you to speak confidently. Now, Paul's talking to Titus. Titus is a pastor, and that Paul has trained him. So now he's pastoring his own church in Crete. And uh, so he's saying, hey, speak confidently about this. But then this is for everybody to understand. So that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. Okay, there's the good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. So according to Ephesians and Titus, our salvation has nothing to do with what we do, but everything to do with what God has done. So, why is that? Why can't we help God out? Why can't we be a part of our salvation? Okay, I get it. Jesus did a big part of it, but why, why can't I help him? I, I want to you know, help. Like my, when I was a little kid, my dad was working on a house, you know. I want to help. Quiet, kid, get out of here. No, he didn't. He didn't. No, he just, he just uh, put me over there with a hammer, and I hit my thumb. So, you know, it was kind of... So why, why can't we? Well, Ephesians says that we're spiritually dead. And Titus says that we have a need for grace because we're slaves We've, enslaved, we've been enslaved to our sin. Now, I get it. We don't like, in the United States, we don't like the idea of slavery, right? As a nation, we don't like it. That's why we got rid of it. You know, a long time ago, we, we pressured and fought a war against few of the states that had it because slavery we don't like. And amen. But our sin has enslaved us. We're slaves to sin. So we're going to be talking about our need for grace. We're going to be talking about God's gift of grace, the big chunk of it. And we're going to talk about the demonstration of our grace, of, of God's grace in our lives. All right, hit the next slide there. Thank you. So we're slaves to sin. So we have a need for grace. We can't save ourselves because we're slaves to sin. We are sin-filled. We're holy and fully uh, full of sin. He says that we're, for once we were foolish. And again, he's talking to Christians, but he's saying, hey, Christians, look back to how life was. And so those of you here this morning who have not placed your faith in Christ yet, he's describing you and he's describing us prior to us coming to Christ. And he says, hey, you're, you're foolish. You know now, just an explanation. If you're uh, new with us here, first time attenders, of, you'll see the English word, and then you'll see this other word. It looks kind of, Harold has no clue how to spell. Uh, that's called ancient Greek. It's what the New Testament was um, written in. And so what we do when we study the Bible, we go back to the New Testament Greek. And we want to know what that word has to say. So today, you fool. And people are like, oh, hey, man, you don't have to be such a jerk about me. In the New Testament and in the Bible, when it talks about fool, it, it doesn't, you know, it's not a, in a derogatory sense that way. But what it's saying is you just don't know. You're ignorant. See, today, you're ignorant. You know, it's a negative. But in the, in, the, in the Bible, it just means you just don't know. You're ignorant. You don't know. And so we're foolish. Prior to coming to Christ, we're foolish. Why are we foolish? Because we act as if there's no God. That's what that word means. The Bible says that the fool has said in their heart, there is no God. And so prior to coming to Christ, we're just living our lives. And we live life as if God doesn't exist, that there's no rules other than what I want. And so I live life as if I'm the God of my life, and I do what I want to do, which makes sense. And if there was no God, if evolution was true, 
That's what it would be. And as long as I had more power than somebody else, it's my way or highway. Problem is, I'm talking to another person who thinks the same way. And so then we have all this stuff going on in our relationships, right? How many people have experienced this? I think, I think life should be this way, and you should respect what I think. I think life should be this way, and you should respect what I think. No, I don't have to. No, I don't have to. And it, whew, i got to stop doing it. That's way too much exercise. It's another reason why you shouldn't be fighting. It takes a lot out of you. And pretty soon our relationships are... Because who's to say who's right? If everybody's doing what they think they should be doing, and so we live life as if there's no God, and we make ourselves the, the authority in our lives. problem is we're meeting other people all the time who are the authority for their life. And so we have conflict, we have fighting, we have issues. Life is not what we want it to be. And so we're, we've enslaved ourselves in this. We're born sinners, we sin, we do life our way, we're disobedient, we're deceived, we think we know better. And sadly, unfortunately, there are some Christians who say they've placed their faith in Christ, but they're still doing life their way. And so they're still feeling all the conflict and all the irritation, all the frustration, because there's a different way of doing life. And that's, you know, that's one of the huge things about coming to, to Christ for salvation, finding out, man, there's a whole different way of doing life. I'm not saying it's easier, but man, there's, he's involved in that, and he's working in that, and in the tough times that you go through, it's, you find out, oh, that's for a purpose for me to grow and help other people grow. But he says we're, we're enslaved, we're owned by our own desires, us thinking we're right and thinking everybody else is wrong, but them thinking they're right and thinking I'm wrong and the conflict that comes from that. He talks about this malice. And that's this inner irritation and frustration that I feel when I'm driving around on the roads, especially coming back from Chicago and work zones. I got malice towards everybody, especially the guy in front of me. Spielum is 50 miles an hour in a work zone. Go 56. You know, man, cops are not going to pull you over. There's no cops around. Go for it. 60. <laughs> Can I get a 60? And so there's this, this inner turmoil in us. And we're so filled with that that people hate us. And because they are responding to us in hatred, what do we do? We hate back. That's what our life is like, is what our life is filled with prior to coming to Christ, without Christ in our life. And so, when it comes to salvation, there's no way we can save ourselves. We're just a bundle of messed up, sinful responses to life. We don't even know how to respond properly. And again, if you're sitting here going, oh man, I feel terrible. Don't feel, we're all messed up. We're all that way. Some of us have just come to Christ and experienced the freedom that comes with that and what we want for you. So this is a life that's completely consumed by sin. It's a, being a slave with no ability to free ourselves in and of ourselves. We can't do it. And until you place your faith in Christ, you can't have that freedom. But that's the good news, right? That's, that's the but that... Paul put up here to, to Titus. I've told you that story, right? Sarah, a little kid, sitting in church. Pastor Kevin's talking back in the day. And 
he's talking about sin and he's talking about salvation. But with God, it's a big but. And Sarah's like, Mom, I said but. You know. <laughs> you know. She knows now, she understands, you know. Last week it all came. No, <laughs> she's in the back. She's in the back. She's gonna kill me later. So here's the big but. You know, here's the here's the goodness of God. This is the grace of God at work. And we're gonna take these a uh, couple verses and we're gonna we're gonna break them down. We're gonna we're gonna pull them apart, right? So first of all, God initiated salvation. We don't seek after God. God initiates salvation. So but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, this kindness, this, this goodness of God, this generosity, overflowing goodness and kindness, generosity, and his love. Now, this isn't the agape love. You know, talk, in Greek, we talk about the agape love, the self-sacrificial love. It's not what he's talking about here. This is, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, uh, philanthropia. It means a fondness for mankind. It's this idea that I see hurting mankind, mankind stuck in sin, in pain, and I love that person. And so I'm going to appear, I'm going to show them that. Not just in some words on a page, but I'm going to do it in real life. God the Son putting on flesh appeared. The physical representation of God's kindness and love for us, his fondness for us. He appeared. He showed himself. He brought salvation to us. Which brings us to the next part, that God initiated salvation, and then God does the saving. He saves us. So he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Deeds there is the word it means for work or toil. It's this idea that, oh, I need to do a bunch of do's and don'ts, so I'm going to work my way, and I'm going to get God, and hopefully God will find favor in me because, oh, it's hard, religious work, and do's and don'ts I'm going to do. It's not according. The, the Bible's saying that. It's not according to those deeds that we've done, the good deeds, whether it's religious stuff, whether it's just being nice to people, you know, it's not according to that. And so I, I threw this next one in here because I don't even have to use, I don't even have to use the Bible to prove this. <laughs> because if, if a person thinks, as long as I'm good enough to get to heaven, uh, then I get, I get to go to heaven. As long as I'm good enough. So as long as, so let me just use myself as, a, as an example. I'm pastoring this church, right? And uh, you know, I don't do much other than preach for 35, 45 minutes on a Sunday, but let's just say I'm doing that, that good work, so that I can go to heaven. What would you call me? I'm not doing it because I love you guys. I'm doing it because I want something out of it. What do we call that? Selfishness, right? Selfishness is a sin. We don't like selfish people. I mean, we like ourselves, but we don't like other people when they're selfish. And so if we're doing religious things even, if we're being nice to people, if we're taking communion, if we're taking a membership class, if we're whatever, if we're doing it so that I can go to heaven, then we're acting out in selfishness. That's 
That's sin. So it can't be our good, our good works. Does it, logically speaking, it can't be. It's only because of God's mercy. It means to be concerned for one in need. We are in great need. And so it's because of God's mercy for us. He sees us in pain, and he's compassionate, and he wants to respond to us. It's not getting what we deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve to be standing before God as our judge and him finding us guilty. Because if nothing else, we're sinful and selfish and prideful. And I can go on, <laughs> but I'm not going to convict myself anymore. So God has to save us. And so then he goes on. How does he save us? By God the Holy Spirit. So God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. By the washing, regeneration, and renewing the Holy Spirit. Again, this is a work of God the Holy Spirit in us. This is a, this is a, uh, a spiritual level work in our life. We can't reach down into our spiritual side. We're physical beings. We have a spirit, but we are spiritual dead, right? So we can't do it. And so it's this washing. It means to be bathed or, or a spiritual baptism or immersion. Again, a spiritual level work. It's not water baptism. How do we know it's not water baptism? Because water's not in the context. People say, well, you need to be baptized in water to be saved. No, you're baptized in water to demonstrate what God has already done in your life through the Holy Spirit. And again, we know that because the context is saying the Spirit, the Holy Spirit baptizes us, not water, because other times it talks about water baptism. But this is the Holy Spirit who baptizes, He immerses us, He just floods through us and takes that sin right out of our lives. Why? Because He wants to give us spiritual life. That's what the word regeneration means. We're spiritually dead. And so he's going to be the one who gives us a spiritual life. And then this renewing, it has this idea of renovation or remodeling. Of course, my background being construction, you know, I love that. Wow, he remodels us. He changes us. So here's the deal. He not only gives us new, new life, spiritual life, but then he stays in our life for the length of our life in order to help us grow spiritually. So this is, this is where... You know, we differ, for instance, with the Catholic Church, because this is, again, where all this stuff came from initially back in the 1500s, so we're not picking on the Catholic Church, it's just history. Where the Catholic Church says justification and sanctification, two big words, justification being declared righteous, and sanctification, spiritual growth. They combine them. And they say, yeah, faith in Christ plus all this other stuff that you have to do. And, and they talk about the sanctification and justification are actually rolled into one. Scripture doesn't teach that. When you get back to the Bible, the Bible splits them out that you have to be spiritually born first, that's part of justification, and then the sanctification hap happens, the spiritual growth happens, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit through and through in our lives. And then, so God the Father saves us by the work of God the Holy Spirit who cleanses us and gives us spiritual life and the spiritual growth that we need, but all that's made possible by God the Son, and his sacrifice on the cross. Whom he poured out, who God the Father poured out, the Holy Spirit poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So it's God the Father's work. Again, we understand God is one, but is shown in three persons. And again, blow your mind. Hard to understand. Glad we can't understand it because it's, it's God, you know, right? But God the Father pours out God the Holy Spirit, and it comes through God the Son. That poured out, uh, that's not a Greek word for sneezing. 
Yeah, that's, not, that's not what that is. Just want to say. Uh, but it means to be fully, to fully experience. In other words, all that God the Holy Spirit is, He's infinite. All that you need in your life is God's work. You don't need, it doesn't even, there's no even reason for us to talk about us trying to be a part of our salvation because we don't need, He doesn't need us. Might be nice, you know, that we offer, but He doesn't need us. Why? Because it's the work of God. God, the Holy Spirit, that, that poured out is the same word that describes Jesus' blood being poured out at the cross. So Christ's blood being poured out, all that we ever could need was poured out on the cross so that the Holy Spirit could be poured out all we would ever need through, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So he did this richly. It means, be, uh, it means abundantly or generously, it's infinitely, because God is infinite. So, is, so him pouring out the Holy Spirit to us is, is infinite, richly is infinite. Everything about God is infinite. So what he's saying here is this, I don't care what sin you've committed, I don't care how much sin, I don't care how bad you think you are. God's like, you put your faith in Christ, and the Holy Spirit, infinitely powerful, he'll come in and cleanse out that sin. It's richly more than you really need. It's a fire hydrant or a fire hose. It's not just, you know, enough. It's knock you over. (laughs) And it's through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus is God. He's infinitely powerful. Again, we can say, hey, you know, we'd like to help you out. And knowing him, we'd be like, I appreciate you wanting to help, but can you just do me a favor? back off and let me do my work. <laughs> you know, let me just, just enjoy it. Enjoy what I've done for you. And then the last one is so that. It's a, it's a purpose, purpose statement. So that we have eternal life. So being justified by his grace, we'd be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That justified, that's that legal term we've talked about. It means to be declared righteous. To be declared not guilty. It's a favorable verdict on our behalf. So we stand before God as our judge and we place our faith in Christ. Christ steps in and says, I got it. I took care of that when I died on the cross. And so that's grace. It's a gift. You you can't pay for a gift. If you pay for a gift, it's no longer a gift. So whether it's good works or you want to say, well, I'll give a certain amount of money to the church and then I'll be saved and whatever, you know, it's not purchasing it through good works. It's a gift. He said that you'll be made heirs. It's one who receives something as an inheritance. I don't know if any of you guys have gotten an inheritance. I, I, got, a, I got some when my mom passed away. And, and when my mom passed away, I was told, hey, we're going to be giving you some money. It's mom's part of her inheritance to us as the five boys. Can you imagine if I walked up to my dad and said, hey, I'd like to give you 20 bucks for that. Hey, Dad, I'd like to clean the condo for the next month. I mean, he'd appreciate it, but he'd be offended if I was doing it so that I could pay off the inheritance. That was my mom's gift. God's given us a gift. So we have the hope of eternal life. That hope isn't wishful thinking. It's not, oh boy, I hope I can get into heaven. <laughs> Rowan doing a little finger twirl. Oh, my word, I'm not sure. Now, hope in the Bible, it's something that's 
a certain expectation based on the person who's promising it. Who's promising this? God. So we have a certain expectation of our salvation because God is saying it's going to happen. If salvation was based on Christ, if salvation was based on me and for myself, I would live in uncertainty the rest of my life. I would never know if I'm good enough because I know how much I sin. Even if my life was based on Christ plus, I'd still not really know for sure if I did my part of it. But the certainty that comes when we understand that Jesus did all of it. Man, what a, I don't have to worry. I have a responsibility, which we'll be talking about here in a little bit, but I don't, I don't have to worry. There's, there's certainty because God said that if I place my faith in Christ, he's forgiving me my sin. The Holy Spirit's in my life and he's with me for my entire life and then he's going to take me to heaven one day. There's certainty in that. And isn't that awesome? Wouldn't we rather have salvation that way? Isn't it great that we don't have to worry? We don't have to wonder, did I do enough? Man, what, what a, a, a sense of freedom and relief and just a, knowing that God has done it all because he's the only one who could do it all. Again, even if we wanted to help, he doesn't need our help. So what about all the good works? What about all the religious stuff that we do? Well, obviously some religious stuff that we do is probably don't need to do it anymore, but <laughs> for the sake of argument, let's just say, you know, all the religious stuff that we, all the good stuff that we do, what is up with that? I mean, can I just go and just do whatever I want to do now that I've placed my faith in Christ? No, there's a purpose for good works. And that's what he talks about. It's us demonstrating his grace. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently. So now Paul's telling Titus, Titus is the pastor, hey, speak confidently because this is God's word. This isn't man's idea. So speak confidently about it. Don't sit there and, hmm, I'm not really sure what I should say. Say it because God's saying it. So those who have believed in God, those who have placed their faith in God, will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men, for the person and for other people. It's good and profitable. So again, confidence is, you know, continually stress it. it. You know, the church is to always be preaching the gospel. You know, some people say, well, you know, you talk about the gospel a lot at church. Can we just get into the meat of the word? You know, start getting twitches and, man, if the gospel isn't the meat of the word, <laughs> wow. I don't know what you think the meat of the word is. Believed. Those who have entrusted themselves completely with complete confidence in God. So those of us here today, this morning, you want some meat? Here's some meat. If you've placed your faith in Christ, if you have complete confidence in your salvation in God, then go do good works. And you tell me if that isn't meat. Because what God's going to do is he's going to put something in your, in your way and you're going to be like, I don't know if I want to do that. That's too hard. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm just like, okay, okay, I want to follow you, but that, you know, I'm, do you know that person? <laughs> you know what you're expecting me to do? Yeah, I'm telling you, that's me. That's tough. Being a Christian is not easy. Loving people is not easy. You guys are, but, you know, other people. So we're supposed to engage in good deeds. We're supposed to carry out continually to practice, to do this. Every part of our life, as we wake up in the morning until we go to bed at night, 
good deeds. We do life God's way for God's purposes. We no longer do life our way for our purposes. In our marriages, in our families, in our extended families, and where we work, in our neighborhoods, <clears throat> in our own lives, our thought life and actions. Now we're doing life God's way. And again, if you don't, man, I, I don't know where you're living. I, doing that every day is rough. It's hard. It is not easy. You need God, the Holy Spirit, giving you the strength to do it because it is not something that's easy. So in a minute, we're going to take time. We're going to remember and celebrate what Christ did for us on the cross. I think it's fitting that we do that today. But I want to give you some, some takeaways this morning. And the first takeaway, I want to talk to you, uh, to those here this morning who um, you know for a fact you've never placed your faith in Christ or you're sitting here going, hmm, I'm not really sure uh, if I've done that or not. If I'm not sure if I, if I die today, I'd go to heaven. Like I said at the beginning of the message, we can know for sure that we are saved, that our sins are forgiven, that we have a relationship with God, and we're going to go to heaven one day. So my challenge to you, Paul's challenge to you, God's challenge to you out of his word is that you would accept God's gift, this grace that you can't earn yourself, that you would accept it. And here's, again, it's almost so simple, it's kind of hard to, to grab sometimes, but it's just simply saying, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. And then I'm separated from you. And then if I die today, I'm going to go to hell. And then it's saying, God, I believe. I, I, I'm putting my full weight of confidence on you that what you say is true, not what I feel or think is true, that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. He was my substitute. That's why God put on flesh and became man, so that he could die on behalf of man. And, so that, and I believe that. And now I'm going to confess that. I just want to have a conversation with you. We call it prayer, but I just want to have a conversation with you. I just want my heart to your heart. I want to tell you this. So here's what I want to do. Let's go ahead and close your eyes. And if you're here this morning and you've never done this before, you may believe in God, you may believe Jesus Christ existed, but you've never stopped and said, God, forgive me my sin, I'm trusting in Christ. You've never done that. Let me just give you a prayer that you can pray. Because sometimes people are like, I'm not really sure you know, what to say. Let me just give you a prayer that you can pray your heart to God's heart, and you can know that God will forgive your sin based off of what he said in the Bible, not based off of this prayer or what I'm saying. But, and just simply th say this, your heart to God's heart. God, I know that I'm a sinner and that I'm separated from you and that I deserve an eternity in hell because of my sin against you. But I also know and I believe I'm putting my full weight of trust on Christ, that when he died, he died my eternal death. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is in me, and thank you for the salvation you've provided. In Christ's name, amen. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. And if you're here this morning and, and you prayed that prayer. I'd love to know that. And we've got a, um, something for you at the Information Center, too, that I can hand to you if you let me know. But if, if you just raise your hand and say, yeah, I, I prayed that prayer to accept Christ as my Savior. If you just raise your hand up and hold it up for a moment. Get somebody in the first. Thanks. Appreciate that. I see that hand. Anybody else? Get somebody in the 
first service do it, which is awesome. We have someone in this service who's indicated that. Thanks, I see that. Anybody else? Just one more thing. Keep your eyes closed. Just, just one more thing. Here's the deal. If you didn't raise your hand, have you prayed that prayer? God knows. I'm just asking for hands just to, so I can know and pray for you and even connect with you after the service if possible. Go ahead and open your eyes and uh, appreciate you doing that. Again, it's just more of a, a distraction thing. We don't want people distracted. But here's something for you who have placed your faith in Christ. Those two, who, three who have done it today, and then for the rest of us who have done it, whenever, whenever it was, are, how are people seeing Christ through your decisions and responses? Right, that's the last point we made, right? Demonstrating grace. How, how are people seeing you represent him? Does your life reflect that? Because the grace that God gave you through salvation, you are now to give to others, to be gracious to them, to be loving to them, to forgive them, and in order to draw them to Christ for salvation. So we're going to celebrate communion this morning. And again, if you have not uh, grabbed one of these, feel free to run back there and, and grab one or don't run, walk, whatever you need to do.